And thank you so much for checking out this week's message. If you have a story you'd like to share, we would love to hear that. Please email us at info at eastsidechurch.tv. And if you'd like to give, you can do so online at eastsidechurch.co. And now, please prepare your heart for this week's message. Well, this morning, I've gotten a little bit different instruction just to show you that God doesn't do the same thing all the time. He doesn't do the same thing that he did last year for you. You can pretty much count on that God will make it different this year. Would you agree? My job this morning is to share. And I'm going to share on stewardship. Uh, we kind of got into it a few weeks ago. We talked a little bit about stewardship. I'm going to get into it a little bit more today, and I'm going to explain to you a little bit about what's going on around here. But I hold in my hand the last will and testament of Bubba Felty. Bubber Felty. You say, boy, that's country. Well, it's Georgia. It's South Georgia, and his real name is Hilra Hoyt Felty, so Bubber doesn't sound so bad, does it? He is, he's, was a wonderful man. He, he, he was, if you can tell by the thickness of the will, he was very detailed. He was an administrator for the VA for many, many years. And I really enjoyed reading his will because you saw in that will what he valued most. And outside from the crazies that cause family trouble when somebody dies, most of us have a tremendous desire to make sure that we honor the will and the testimony of those that go before us. We want to make sure we carry out what they desired, what they ask us to carry out. And so we want to steward what Bubber wishes. Stewardship in Scripture has this definition. The steward in biblical days and all through the Bible, was a household servant who managed the household affairs for the head of the family. Managing a family involved delegation, discipline, encouragement, and most important, accountability to the head of the household, to that person who was in authority. And when we talk about biblical stewardship here on earth, it, it covers every aspect of our lives. We, we have to understand that as, as we understand the love of God and the character and the nature of God wanting to bless his people, we, always, we also have to understand the fact that he is going to reward us based on our stewardship. So oftentimes we think about judgment, we think about the unbeliever. But the scripture tells us that judgment starts with the house of God. We don't like, we like other folks, like those who called for Barabbas. We're confused. We live in a society that's confused. And we like to think about the blessings of God and not the judgment of God. But the truth of the matter is, you be, will be rewarded on your stewardship, on how you manage the household affairs of your God. Romans 14, 12 says this. It says, so each of us will give an account of himself to God. 
Well, I can say that, and I can live in fear. We're studying this in the school, by the way. This is some of the why this is driven driven by eternity is the is the name of the book that we're kind of going through, and it really just emphasizes how important it is in the believer's life that they have sober judgment of their stewardship, because when they face the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, they're going to give an account for their stewardship. And there's nothing you have to fear because what God wants to do, He wants to bless you. There, there is blessing upon blessing upon blessing ready to be poured out to you if you won't be like the bull. If I won't be like the bull. If we'll stand gazing at the things God has given us to steward and steward them well, then we can be assured that when we get to heaven, we're going to be blessed beyond measure, even though we'll probably be blessed if we did absolutely nothing. But the blessing is just going to be poured out as we on our stewardship. And there are scripture after scripture after scripture in the Bible that talks about stewardship. And so we are going to have to give an account of our stewardship in a lot of different ways. And I've got five ways here I want to talk about real quickly that we're going to have to give stewardship. The first place that we're going to have to give stewardship is of the family. In the family environment, we are to give an account to God for how we manage what he has given us to be responsible over. And in that family environment, the, the stewardship is going to be judged by the Word of God. Not your opinion about God. That can be sometimes the most dangerous aspect of, of, of communication in the Christian world is that we, we create God in our own image instead of agreeing with His image as it's described in Scripture. And that image sometimes gets us off track a little bit, and we need to know that when we are tested in our stewardship, it is going to be measured by the Word of God. How well you steward the Word of God in your family. Was your family motivated by the things of God and by the Word of God? Did you teach your children? Did you manage your finances? Did you do all the things that God describes as a family unit? And so it's going to be measured by God's word. And so if you've been put in authority in your family, then you are assigned tasks and making sure that all those tasks in your family unit gets done with excellence. How many of you know that God loves excellence? He doesn't like passivity and laziness and procrastination. He likes that excellence. And we're going to get him a stewardship for that. He's going to ask us to, to, as we manage our household, to understand that we don't own anything. It's all his. And we're going to pass that on to somebody else. In this particular will, there are eight people that Bubber gave his inheritance to. It was it's a precious thing because he thought of every single person. You don't have to snake. They see you, brother. You, if, you, if you had on camo, they couldn't see you at all. 
Got it? Cool. I want, to, I want you to be able to follow. He had specific pictures, specific pictures, homes that were painted by a relative assigned to each of the sisters because he thought of them individually and said, oh, Elizabeth would like this or Susan would like this. And that chair in the den, I'm going to give that to so-and-so. I was the collector of all the books. I don't know if he thinks I can read or not. I'm not sure. But I, I'm, I was blessed. But the point of the matter is he was specific. And everything that he had, he passed on to somebody else. Because it really wasn't his in the first place. He was just managing it. And now the Lord has given it to somebody else. And so we have to understand that it's not our households. It's God's household, and we're the steward. We've got budgets and upkeep of that household and our assets, and we pass that on. And then he also wants to measure our hearts about the process of our family stewardship. What's your heart towards your family? Are you, are you short? Or, or, you know, what's your attitude like towards your children? What's your attitude like in the family unit? What kind of atmosphere are you developing? And so we have to give an account for our stewardship of our family for those of us who are in authority. The second place that we have to give an account is stewardship of, of uh, outside of family relationships. We have to have... For our neighbor, we're going to give an account of how we treat our neighbor. We're going to give an account how we treat our enemy. We're going to give an account how we treat our brothers in Christ, how we honor them. And so outside of our family relationship, including our spiritual leaders, how well did we honor people outside of our family? And how well did we do it as we measure it towards the Word of God, as we give a stewardship of what God's expectation, not God's good ideas if you can do this, you're actually going to be judged on how well you did it, and there needs to be a sense of sobriety towards the ideas that that's the case for the Christian. And so we're inside the family relationships, we're outside the family relationships, and we also have to give an account for our stewardship in our jobs and in our workplaces. We're going to have to give stewardship about our performance, about our integrity, about whether in the workplace we actually manifested the fruit in the Spirit. You know, so oftentimes when we read Galatians chapter 5, we think about that in the context of those that we really like. You know, if I really like somebody and they're easy to get along with, then the fruit of the Spirit has, an, has a tendency to flow a little bit easier because I can be nice to them. But in the workplace, you are the representative of the king. It's not really even your job. It is, it is God's job for you and his way of bringing provision to your family. And he can take it or leave it. He can put you in or put you out. 
And your responsibility before the Lord and my responsibility before the Lord is to make sure that we are representing the kingdom value system in our workplaces and that we're bearing fruit and that we have a heart toward the people and the and the and the and the uh, the the rules and the regulations and those in authority in our workplace our heart toward them matters we're going to give an account before god of our heart towards our bosses toward the gossip at the water cooler to the one who stole your pen, your favorite pen, the one that your uncle gave to you in the will, that pen. <laughs> we're going to give an account for our stewardship. And then we're going to give an account for our stewardship of our ministry. Our heart to honor God in ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 says, or 3 says, you, you are the minister. You're the minister, not me. Everybody calls me minister. Don't call me minister. Call me pastor, maybe. Don't call me minister. You're the minister. I'll call you minister. I'm the administrator. I'm supposed to provide an atmosphere that you can minister well. That's my job. And so in your ministry, you're going to give... Begin, have to give an account of your stewardship of what God assigned you to in this ministry. Now, if this is your church, you need to operate out of this church, submitted to the authority of this church, because God always, always uses authority, and he wants you to prosper, and he wants to bless you. So you're going to give a stewardship for that ministry in a lot of ways. Again, the fruit of the Spirit. How well did you operate in the fruit of the Spirit? You're going, to give, you're going to give an account of your stewardship of the spiritual gifts. What? Yeah. God's going to say to you and me, I gave you all these tools. There was this big toolbox that you had available to you, but you were standing at defense bellowing across the pasture about the way things ought to be done at church instead of actually operating in your spiritual gift. Oh, that's funny. It's supposed to be funny. Y'all can laugh. Ha, 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 ha. That was funny, Pastor. It was not meant to be, it was meant to be kind of funny because we get our eyes off the prize. And the stewardship is going to be, I mean, I, I got a word of, you have the ability to get information from God that you should never know. You have the ability to speak kingdom life into people that, that otherwise would be dead. In other words, you can speak living water to people. It's available to you. What are you doing with it? You're going to give an account of your stewardship with spiritual gifts. You're going to be able to pray in the spirit. When you don't know what to pray in the intellectual, you're going to be able to pray with a language that only God understands. It comes from a totally different part of the brain. And be able to pray God's will 
into a situation. You're going to give an account, stewardship, on that gift. And it's just all we hear is arguing about whether you should do it or not in church. God's saying, listen, I gave that to you. And in your ministry, and in your workplace, and in your family, your heart and your performance matters. I love what Don Potter said. Last week he said, you know, in the, in the secular world, this is counter church right here. That's why I like it, I think. In the secular world, if somebody's not an excellent musician, they get fired. In the church, it's, bless their heart. That's exactly what, bless their sweet little heart. And it ought to be opposite. We're paying for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We need to practice. We need to be honing our skill. We need to be making sure that we're giving our heart to God in our worship because we're going to be measured by our stewardship of the possibilities of being excellent. Your performance matters in every area. Guys, your performance with your wife and how she feels about herself because of your input is going to be judged. I can't help but let you know that you've been given authority in your homes so that your homes could receive the fullness of the blessing of God. Not so that you could feel good about your authority. is to open up heaven. Ladies, the same is true for you. And your husband, he's giving you that man. You chose him. Guys, go ahead. Reminder that, that she, she chose you. Yeah, she said yes. Tell her, tell her, you said yes. <laughs> I know you were absolutely lost your mind, but you still said yes. <laughs> but ladies, we're responsible for how do we, are we an asset to our husbands? Or are we just constantly tearing him down and pulling him apart? You're going to give an account of your stewardship of your marriage. Stewardship's important. It's important because God's principle is if you're faithful with the little bit I give you, if you're faithful with worldly things, if you're faithful with the little I give you, I'll give you a lot. If you're faithful with the worldly things, I'll give you spiritual things. There's this, there's this, I have all this stored up for you and I want to pour it on your head. 
And if you'll follow me, if you'll do what I ask you to do, if you'll go by my word, man, will the floodgates of heaven come upon you. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. This is Israel. Jeremiah is warning, actually. And there's a, there's a part that says, <laughs> you know, he comes out and he just goes, dudes, you're missing it. That's where he starts. And then he goes, dudes, if you'll get it. So there's this positive side, and then there's this starting of people that aren't trusting in God's way and his word. Verse 5, Jeremiah 17, verse 5, it says, Jeremiah says, this is the word of the Lord. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. But, verse 7, Blessed, happy, supremely happy is the man who trusts in the Lord and everything he says, his word, and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And, he, and that tree will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. The heart is so important, and it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the answer is this. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Yeah, that's good, ain't it? Are you scared? You shouldn't be. Just do good, right? Just agree with the word. Quit fighting God. You, we, you hear it all the time. We, we've got to assess ourselves soberly and align ourselves with the word of God. In every area, we've got to become more and more like him. That's what this place is about. If you're here and you want to know what we're about, we want to be transformed. We want to be being transformed until we go home. We want to be like him. So, Peter says this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 12 says this, As each one of you has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace, of the manifold, the, the, the bigness of the power of God working in that thing that he gave you. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom we belong. The glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen? Amen. And so you see this happening. Now I've got 11 minutes to go uh, to our next spot. 
But here it is. I am to communicate to you what God is doing. And I'm to give you an opportunity. In Exodus chapter 34 and 35 and 36, right around in there, Moses is coming to the people and he's asking the people, he's telling them what the vision of God is. And if you're part of this body of Christ, we believe very much that God has called us to partner with Back Creek School. We believe very much that he's called us to partner with Karis Bible College. Can you lift your hand, Ken Brown, Ken and Patsy Brown, right back here in the back. They are the, they're the deans, the directors, the grand poopaw of Karis Bible College here in Charlotte. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ken, I don't know your title, so I just gave you all of them. They're coming, they're coming here to do their campus here. We believe God has called us to do that. We believe God has called us as a collective group to open this sanctuary up so we can get more people in. I can't wait to go back to one service, at least for a little while. It's going to be amazing. We're going to put the stage right here. We're going to move this wall forward a little bit. We're going to make... This office on the right beside the bathroom is actually a kitchen. My office has already become, is becoming the, uh, the media room, the multimedia room. We've already started shifting it. We're going to be building this kitchen and moving the kitchen here soon. That's already begun. This wall is going to move this way. Our exit will be the back of the building. We'll cover that up so that we can walk underneath it and then also go to our children's areas, which will be in some of the units out here that we've got. We've got uh, 24,000 square feet of building given to us that's going to cover 40,000 square feet of space that we're going to have access to. Our sound booth will be in that corner. We're going to raise this roof up. We're going to change the air conditioning. We're going to change the lighting. We've already started changing the sound. we got the best soundboard in, that, that is possible, and it does, a, it does an amazing thing. It even makes Michael sound good. I mean, let's give the Lord a shout for that. How many of you know that it doesn't happen for free? I'm... Here's the deal. This is what the Lord's calling us to. Do you know that there's 100, uh, between 150 and 200 students that are going to be right out here in October, September? They're going to be in here every day. You know, an opportunity, and this is a 60-40 or 55-45 white to black ratio some, somewhere in that. This is a multicultural, private Christian school. And most of the people who don't go, that go to this school aren't rich. They are, they are strapped and they're wanting their kids to get a Christian worldview education. God has given us $2.2 million worth of buildings already. They came in for free. We didn't plan it. We prayed. They came. A church gave us a $1.25 million building for a $125,000 mortgage. Somewhere around 10 or 11 years ago. 
And that's been paid off. There have been several substantial gifts that allowed us to have over $100,000, about $150,000 in the bank currently. Thank you. I just want to say thank you for giving in a big way already. But honestly, that's, that's a start. We've already been approved by the bank, but I don't think God wants us to use the bank. I think God wants to... <laughs> I think God wants to use ordinary people that don't make a ton of money to see if they have a, to take a free will offering to see if they can come to a place where they can actually raise enough money to do it because they believe God and they're sold out to this is why we're here at this time. Uncle Bubba gave to eight people and his church. His church was his family. I sort of hope you feel that way. But what we want to do is we had never planned for the $2.2 million trailers. We really never planned at all for to partner with Back Creek School and Karis College, Bible College. God arranged all this without us coming up with any plan, Shelly. It's an amazing thing to watch. God wants to teach you how to allow and apply this principle in your personal lives. And he's going to allow us to raise the money to do it. But he wants you to see his provision. Like he provided for Shelley, he wants to provide for you. He wants you to depend on him. He wants you to give to him with all your heart. And he wants to stretch you out to believe that if you'll, if you'll do what he says, then he'll actually make provision. Now, if you don't mind me asking, I'm going to go ahead. I'm, it don't matter because I got a mic. What is your, what do you have to, what, what is the, what is the average person have to have every year to, to go somewhere like China? $40,000 a year, every year, and not asking anybody anything. Moving from a place of living in lack to a place of believing God for your circumstances. In agreement with carrying out the mission that he has called us all to in Charlotte. If we're to be the East Gate, as Don Potter says, if we're to bring help bring or, or partner with other churches and, 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 and organizations to reach this city with a kingdom-minded revival, it's not going to be done without sacrifice. There's no revival in history that's ever occurred without sacrifice. I'm saying this, and I'm saying it to me. You know, what am I going to sacrifice? But before I get into that, I want to go over four things we want to learn as we move forward. We, we want to learn that when we worship by, by giving and giving out of our abundance and aligning ourselves with the Word, that it changes things. 
We want to learn that. We really want to experience that. We want every family to experience that. Number two, we want to, when we worship by bringing more than the minimum, it's because we realize that we are blessed and we want to begin to give out of that blessing. Number three, we want to learn in our giving how to walk in the blessings of God and the blessing that God has for our future. You know, God wants to bless you in the future, but he's not going to bless you when you walk in a, a place of lack or a place of, 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 of doubt and unbelief. He wants us to grow in our dependence on God to meet our needs with abundance. That's what we're believing God for. So this is what we're asking. If I could get the ushers to pass out real quickly, and I mean really, really quickly. Maybe, yeah, we got four, three or four. That'll be good. What we're going to do is we're going to begin to sell. Well, you know, that's kind of really weird. But we're encouraging with the idea of building blocks. We're not going to put your name on a block. <laughs> We're not going to put your name on a brick. That's just an easy way for us to figure out how, and, and some bite-sized thoughts of how you can begin to believe God. But a building block basically is $25 a week. That comes out to $1,200 a year if you do $25 a week. Now, let's get to thinking about that logically. And this is what I want us to begin to do. First of all, as JP finishes, yeah, we good? First of all, this is the important part. What is God asking you to believe him for? And what does he want you to what, what does he want you to do in your personal life? In other words, you're not just doing this so that we can fund this project, although we're going to. In, in, if you'll read Exodus, what happens is God gave him the booty, for all them the booty from Egypt, and then he just asked them to bring some, right? That's what it's called, booty. I see Stephen. Yeah, it's, you, know, you know what I mean by booty, right? I mean, it kind of takes on a different context. I mean, you know, the, Egypt said, here, let me give you all my stuff. And y'all go, just go. Let me give you all this stuff and go. And, 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 and they were very clear that it all, it all was God's. Sometimes we're not clear. That was fresh in their minds. Sometimes we don't have the mindset that it's all God's imagined anywhere. And then I got to give it away. I'm going to give it to somebody else. This is going to be somebody else's before I go. Have you ever ridden by a house that your mom and daddy used to live in and they're already in heaven? It's an interesting feeling. They're not there anymore. It's where you grew up as a kid. You go, wow. So what is it that you can do? First of all, asking God in the next two weeks, ask God, what is it he wants you to give? How many building blocks does he want? Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Now listen, we want 300 of these committed to. We want 300. That means that we've got about 475 people, including children, so that's almost 100% of our adults will have to commit to at least one building block. Now, that means, you know that's not going to happen, right? 
So that means some of us are going to have to commit to three, four, five building blocks to get this thing done. Now, let me point out a few things. Give up Cokes and coffee. That's one building block. Let me give you another one. You're going to come like me after this. Somebody just went, did he say coffee? <laughs> he didn't just say coffee, did he? How about cable? Can you believe the pastor is saying get rid of cable? You need to probably get rid of cable anyway. We all do, probably. We could get the news feed on our phone. But that's a building block. That's one. Now the question is, this is a hard question, is cable worth more than the mission? Do you really believe we're on mission? Is cable worth more than the mission? That's one building. How else can you do it? There's jewelry you can do. There's garage sales you can have. There's furniture you got you don't want. There's antiques you might have. There's cars. People give cars all the time. There's boats. There's houses. I've had people, I raised, I've seen a check for $5.2 million a guy gave. He stayed out of church his whole life, and then when he got like 70 years old, he came to know Jesus, and he just felt like, man, I, I would, if, I'd have, if I'd have given like I was supposed to, I'd have given this, so I'm going to go ahead and give it now, once he got saved. I mean, rental properties. I don't know, but ask the Lord. Ask the Lord what, what he wants you to, how he wants you to participate. I'm just giving you ideas. Now listen, I got a boat. I'm keeping my boat, but that might not be you. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just, that's why I want to tell you, I'm keeping my boat, but I'm going to come up with a way to buy four or five of these things. And that's above tithe. Some of you just need to commit to tithing. I'm so grateful for so many of you who tithe, and our, and our financial stability is, is great, and I thank you for that. And that comes with a regular tithe. But some of us need to go the extra mile and say, Lord, teach me your provision. Teach me what she knows personally. I want to know. I want to trust you for more than I can see. I want to hear from you, and you tell me what to do. You tell me how to give. So we got a bunch of suggestions down here. Eating out. I had a single person one time. He said, I don't eat out that much. I said, you look at your, you look at your bank statements and start counting how much you eat out. You know what the number was? It was over $800 a month. Don't say, whoa, we all, there's a lot of people doing it. It'll add up quick. It adds up quick. Take your lunch. I don't know. But what we want to do, we're going to come back in two weeks. I'm just believing God will give us 300 of these. 300 building blocks. And you might say, he might say, I want y'all to commit to three. And you go, I can't even pay for one right now. That's perfect. 
you start praying and believing God to bring income in that you didn't expect to be there, and you give it away knowing that if you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Because God asked you to, and he owns it all. I've never pressed like this in eight years. But God is calling us. And we have to respond. If, if they were adding to Scripture, which they are not, and our lives were written down, and they are being written down in books in heaven, that we would be found faithful to do what God has called us to do. And we got to go. We're going to have to come back next Sunday for communion. You guys with me? I'm believing God for miracles in your life. I'm believing that we learn how to depend on God like never before. I'm believing that he gives us incredibly creative ideas that we can do so that we can bring what needs to be brought to the Lord. I'm believing for that. I'm believing big, audacious gifts. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you want to teach us what Shelly knows, what I know, what we've seen. But you want us to learn, God, that that transfers outside the church into our individual lives as we posture ourselves before you as we believe you. And Father, I pray that any spirit in this place that is accusing me of just being a preacher trying to raise money, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And I say this, do not give unless it is a free will offering. You're doing this of your free will because you want to please God. And I pray that it be bigger than you can strategize. Strategize first. Believe God for bigness. I thank you for what you're going to do, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You ready? Let's go get them. God bless you. See you Wednesday night.